Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday morning message. Today's sermon is Bless This Home Part 2 by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. The word Beatitudes in the Latin simply means blessedness. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus shows us nine different characteristics of those who are blessed. Last week we looked at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are asking families, what are you thirsting for? What are you hungering for in your home? Next week we're going to, we're going to teach on blessed are those who are peacemakers. We've got a lot of people who are peacetakers in our homes today. We need folks who are peacemakers. And then the fourth week, the week after Mom's Day, we're going to conclude this with blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Amen. We're not going to worry about being persecuted. We're going to be worried about when people are not talking about us. Amen. So today I want to apply one of the Beatitudes to our family and ask God to bless our home. Honestly, most of us wouldn't say that most homes, most families look really blessed from the outside. There's a lot of haggardness. There's a lot of dysfunctionality in homes today, and we're trying to help you. So to ease into this, let me ask you an odd question. I'm curious, who's ever been robbed in this place before? Raise your hand, whether at gunpoint, your house, your car, your business, raise your hand. All right. I've lived in good places, and I've lived in bad places, and I've been robbed probably four, maybe five times, three times at churches, once at my house and once in my car. That's five times I've been robbed. And I have, I've been, I, I, I've been, when I was robbed, I always felt violated. We were, we were robbed at our church in Dallas several years ago, and I had this bull-riding cousin who was a tough hombre that wanted to watch the church and guard the church at night, just waiting for those robbers to come back and those thieves to come back, and he was going to manhandle them. So I stayed with him the first night. We were broken into on a Sunday night, and I stayed with him on, on Monday for, for, till about midnight, and I went home, and they got worried about him because he's a little quirky. He's just a little quirky. And I thought, God, I don't need him shooting anybody in the church. You know, we don't need that. So I thought I'd drive back by the church. When I left, all the lights were out because we were inviting the the robbers in. We were inviting the perpetrators back in. I go back by every light in the house is on. The church is lit up. The porch light's on. The vestibule light's on. The inside lights are on. Everything's on. And I go inside. I said, what are you doing? He said, man, I'm keeping those robbers away. Really? Really? You really are. So the whole week. He stayed and kept the lights on every night. The next Sunday, we decided to let him go home, turn the lights out, and we was robbed again. Thank you, Ronnie, for doing such a great job. Let's give Ron a great hand here today. Amen. So today, when I, when, when I, when I think about robbery, I devoted the rest of my life preparing for the next person who breaks into my home. I'm kind of I'm like a weapon, a walking weapon. Hallelujah. Give me a pair of nunchucks, and I can take out eight armed men. Single-handedly, it's a Bruce Lee movie all over again. <laughs> Amen. I'm teasing. No, really, if I hear a noise, I say, Patty, would you go check on that and see? Because <laughs> I'm armed, but I want Patty to go. Now, both of those are jokes. You know that. I'm not going to send Patty. I'm going to be right behind her when I send her anyhow. But you women know, you women that have children, you know what I'm talking about. You could take down a bear if that bear got close to your kid. You know that. There's something that's in us that wants to protect our homes. We want to protect our kids. And what's interesting is in our culture today, you're applauded for protecting your kids physically. Say amen to that. I mean, you put, they put, their, you put their headgears on them and you put elbow pads on them before you send them out to check the mail because you want to make sure they're right. But yet in our culture, 
when you try to protect their heart and their morals, you're often called an overprotective parent. You're often called a right-wing bigot. You're often called a Christian cult member. Mocked by the media types, the people know, the they say people that talk about us. We'll discover that God actually calls us not only to protect the physical nature, but to protect the purity of the hearts of our children today. Amen? Just as I have been robbed physically, I believe we have a spiritual enemy who wants to break in and rob our families of their purity and break in and kill and to st- steal and to kill and destroy their innocence and their trust. And Jesus gave us a very specific beatitude in Matthew 5, chapter 8, when he said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Say it with me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, the back part of that I'm going to talk about later, but let's start with blessed are the pure in heart. The word heart in the Greek language is a word cardio, which we get the word cardiac from. And Jesus was using this as a metaphor. He wasn't saying Blessed are those who have a pure organ that pumps blood through the veins. He was using it as a metaphor to describe the emotions and the feelings and the inner self of every one of us. His words were much broader than what mine will be today because he was talking about attitudes. He was talking about motives. He was talking about thought processes. I will be speaking and narrow the scope today to talk about moral purity. Are you with me today? I'm talking about moral purity that applies to our homes. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God say amen to that. Many of us want to believe of ourselves and of other people that, oh, she has a good heart. He's got a good heart. A young person will come to a pastor and say, Pastor, I'm dating this guy. He's not a Christian, but he's got a good heart. No, 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 you're wrong. He's unemployed. He lives in his van. Down by the river, he smokes weed for dinner, but always got a good heart. The reality is, although that's a common saying, it's simply not true of any of us. Let me show you in, in, in Scripture. Here's the thought. Without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. Come on, clap your hands to that. Without Christ. Without Christ doing heart surgery on us, there's no such thing in any of us as a pure good heart. We cannot purify ourselves. We need God to purify our hearts. Come on, plug into Almighty God today and let Him plug and fill your heart with His joy and His peace. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Say it's beyond cure. Say I'm past hope. But then God says, I the Lord search the heart. And I examine the mind. For the heart is deceitful above all things. Ephesians 4 and 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, They are darkened in their understanding. And they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. This is Paul talking to the Galatians who had drifted away from their faith and were becoming non-believers. And and because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Everybody say darkened. Everybody say separated. Everybody say because of ignorance and due to hardening of the heart. That's some tough words. How many of you have ever walked into a movie? Now, let's get real here today. How many of you ever walked into a movie theater and it's really dark when you walked in? You said, oh, Lord. You know what I'm saying? You can't see your hand in front of your face. Maybe the lights have just been shut out. And you turn to the kids and say, don't spill the popcorn. And don't spill the drinks because we paid a fortune for them in this movie house. You know what I'm talking about. It's where they make all their money. 
and then you step in and then you wait just a few minutes in that house and all of a sudden you start seeing things a whole lot better. Why? Because your eyes adjust to the darkness. Say it, my eyes adjust to the darkness. Could it be that the majority of our homes, that our families that we love are separated from the life of God because we've been darkened in our understanding? Because of our ignorance and our hearts have been hardened, we don't even recognize that we're missing seeing the goodness of God because we've allowed so much impurity into our families and we don't even know it. It's just evolved in our life. It's just eroded in our life. The Bible said Satan will try to wear out the saints of God. He's not attacking you as an army would attack. He's trying to wear you out and lower your standards and lower your ability to resist the thing that's in the world. The world is not stopping. Somebody's got to preach to a church that says we're not going to stop either. We're going to stand up and declare, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. How many want to see God in this hour? Come on. Come on. How many want to see God and feel God and know God in this hour? Yes, sir. Paul goes on to say in verse 19, having lost all sensitivity, he said, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. These are verses that declare things probably better than any verses declare about our culture today. We have lost sensitivity. Therefore, our culture has given itself over to all sorts of sensuality. And indulging in every kind of impurity. Now, folks, we love our families. We're supposed to guard them and protect them. Not only protect them physically, but protect them morally and spiritually. So honestly, you would never do anything like give your little baby saying, here's a bottle of poison, sweetheart. Drink this. You wouldn't do that. We would never do that. We would never tell our kids to go swimming in a pool full of acid. Never. You'd never do that. And yet we'll send our 15-year-old daughters on some car date with some hairy-legged, pubescent-filled boy that we've never met. And we'll give our 14-year-old boy unlimited access to a mobile device where they can get into anything and to everything we would never want them to see and call it absolutely normal. Somebody help me preach today. I need some dads to help me. And we would take our own hard-earned money and pay to be entertained by things that honestly must break the heart of God And that's absolutely completely normal in our world today. God bless our homes. Don't let us be darkened in our understanding. Don't let us lose our sensitivity without knowing it and indulge in evil. What's going to be different in our lives? Well, here's one thing. We can't just be Christian people any longer. We talk about Christianity. 80% of Americans call themselves Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian person. You know, yeah, I kind of believe in God when tough times come. But there's a difference between being called a Christian. Jesus is first in every way. He's not part of your life. He is your life. And so we're not talking about a Christian now. We're talking about a Christ-centered home. When I marry young couples and when I marry them and I stand them up, I say, whatever God is joined together, let no man put asunder. There has got to be a God factor, not only in our church. There must be a God factor in our homes. There's got to be a God factor when you take your kids to school. There's got to be a God factor. The only thing that ought to be in your house outside of your family is the presence of God and the God-centered life that he wants us to have. 
Amen. Somebody help this preacher today. Amen. Amen. We must have Christ-centered homes. So Psalms 119, 9 and 10. David said, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's a good question, isn't it? And the answer is God, by living according to your word. Not according to my heart, but according to your word. You know what Jesus said? He said, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall never pass away. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if syrup goes to a dime a sop and eggs go to $10 a dozen. You hear me. I don't care if we fall into every kind of problem in America and around this world before Jesus comes. There's one thing that's going to be established, and it will always be established, and that's the Word of God. You can bank your life. Come on now. On this book right here. You can bank your existence on this book. You can bank your future on this book. It still works. Come on, clap your hands for the word of the Lord today. Clap your hands for the word of the Lord. So we tell people, just follow your heart. No, you don't follow your heart. You follow the word of God. You don't follow your heart. Your heart is deceitful. I've seen many married couples in my marriage counseling who followed their heart right out of marriage into adultery. You know why? Because my heart said, he's hot. And the man said, she's a fox and she smelled good. Some of them said, my heart was just bored. Really? Really? And they've walked right out because of their heart. But David said in Psalms, in Psalms verse 10, he says, I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. So how can our family stay on a path of purity? Here's the answer. Not by following our hearts, but by living according to the word of God. We will seek him with all of our hearts. I need a hand clap to Jesus for that right now. Amen. Now, for those of you who aren't married and don't have a family right now, you're just kind of kicking back saying, yay, Pastor Jay, get them. Because it doesn't matter to me because I don't have a family yet, so I can do whatever I want. Then later on, I can get things right. I mean, right now, I can sleep with who I want. I can drink what I want. I can smoke what I want. I can watch what I want. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I can... It's like a rapper to me. And one day, Pastor, when I get married, I'm going to get it all straight. I'm going to get it right. Then I'm going to move forward. Let me tell you something. This is going to blow you away. And I want you to put this on your refrigerator this week. You can't build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. You can't build the building that you want to build. Oh, I want to preach today. Somebody want to help me? You can't build. You cannot build a foundational sinful foundation and have a life of righteousness. The foundation's got to be right before the building can ever be built. I've got a dear friend that I've pastored here for 24, going on 25 years. He's one of my finest friends. His name is Jeff, Jeff Flood. And Jeff said, Pastor, I'm going to tell you something. If the foundation's right, the roof will never leak. Boy, I like that. You don't want a leaking roof? Get your foundation right. Put your, rock, your feet on the rock, Jesus Christ, and say, I'm going to seek after him. I'm going to go by his word. I'm not going to be led by my heart. I'm not going to be led by my conscience. I'm going to be led by the word of God because I'm going to be pure in heart in my life. Oh, I feel good today preaching the gospel. 
So let's acknowledge some things that perhaps in our homes, our eyes have grown accustomed to the darkness and our hearts have been hardened and we don't see the ways that we've let impurities become part of our life. So how, how do we reverse the flow? How do we practically create a culture of purity in our homes? How does it happen? I'll give you three things today and then I'm going to let you go. It will not happen by accident. I promise that. It has to have time to evolve. It's not the big bang theory. Boom, everything just going, you know, you're not going to just get married and raise kids and then 20 years later we'll say, well, good night, nurse. Look at there. They're holy. I don't know how it happened. (laughs) I mean, they're not all pure. They're all pure. And I mean, wow, what an accident. It's not going to happen. It's got to be intentional. Let's get intentional on raising our kids. How about it? Come on, clap. Yeah, let's get intentional on raising our kids. First thing I'm going to tell you is let's start with ourselves. Number one, you got to get your own heart right. Say, get your own heart right. Hit your heart and say, Lord, get me right. Let's start here. I don't care if you're 18 or 88. I believe you set the tone in relationships around you. I do not believe that Christians ought to let non-Christians and people who are not believers set the tone for what's happening in a conversation. Amen? You control that because greater is he that's in you. Than he that's in the world. It's good teaching. Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23. Above everything else. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So how do we behave? What do we allow into our families? What do we want to be influenced by? What do we want to read? And what do we want to watch? What kind of entertainment do we want to have? What kind of friends are we going to allow closest to us? What kind of things are we going to feed our minds? What kind of thoughts do you want to have? How do we decide what's right and what's not right? How do we do it? People say, once again, let your conscience be your guide. You can't trust that. Your heart, your conscience can deceive you. Your conscience can be seared with a hot iron, the Bible says. I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to talk about me now. Some of the movies that we're seeing now would not build up us up as followers of Jesus. Some of the things that are shown on theater, come on, somebody help me. You know, you know, you know, uh, there, there, there's, a, there's an app that somebody showed me at the first service called Plugged In. You can literally go online, folks, and check out every movie before you let your kids go check that movie out. And come back and you say, wow, I just didn't know, you know. You do know. They'll tell you everything about that movie. It's called Plugged In. I'm going to get that out because I need my wife to know that app. Amen. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing again. But you need to get plugged in. Your kids don't need to walk into something with a bunch of other kids that are not believers and sit there and feel embarrassed about getting up and walking out of a theater because what they have been taught in church does not match what they're seeing on that screen. Come on, Mama. Come on, Daddy. Help me. Don't just get them out of your hands. Come on. Get in their heart and let them know that you're taking care of their hearts. I'm not trying to be a holder than thou today to you. I'm not trying to get legalistic. I'm not, being, I'm not a legalist. But you know, people say, you know, Pastor, a little bad language doesn't bother me. Well, I, I hear that too. I mean, it's just bad language. It's a little violence, you know, just a little killing. What's wrong with that, you know? Maybe we justify things because we like the actor. Oh, he's a big-time Christian. I read about his family. He's got great faith. He loves God. Then you hear the language. Then you see the violence. Forty-seven people died in the movie I saw one time, and you probably saw it also. So don't go judgment on me. It was called Rambo. That was a long time ago. That's when movies were still good. Son, there's some stuff out there right now that will absolutely blow your mind. I can't tell you the number of times. I can't tell you the number of times I've gotten up and walked out of movies. Not because I was pastor, because I was embarrassed 
that my Jesus, I had taken him in that place, thinking I was going to see a comedy, thinking I was going to see some good, uh, a good adventure story, thinking I was going to see something, a true story or something, and it was so bludgeoning, it was so bloody, and it was so demonic, possessed, and it had so much stuff in it, I had to get up and walk out. It's okay. It's okay. Not to walk out of church, but it's okay to walk out of movies after you paid your money. In fact, go back and get a refund. Get a refund. I was in New York City one time. I was in New York City one time, and my kids had always wanted to see a bunch of plays, so we're, art. we're artsy people. I know I don't look like it. I'm a West Texas plowboy, and I don't know, but I like art. I love art. I enjoy art, and I enjoy plays. I really do. I can name you some that I've seen. I think they're incredible, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I tell you, go see them. But I went into one one day, and, and, and I, I had this little feeling when I went in, and we'd, we'd paid some pretty big bucks to go sit because plays are a lot more expensive in New York than movies are across the street in Austin, Texas. And so I went in, and we sat there, and, and I said, oh, God, I can't, I, I can't sit here. After about the first 20 minutes, I said, oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. Members of our church over here, another pastor friend in our church over here, and we're sitting there, and I'm looking down at him, and he's looking back at me, and I'm saying, oh, God, oh, God, I can't stay here, but, God, I've spent a lot of money. Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me, God. What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, my wife said, baby, I can't take this anymore. I said, thank you. On the count of three, let's get out of here. <laughs> One, and the girls looked at us like, What? Yeah, you're going too, sweetheart. Come on. One, two, and we jumped up and, and we, we got out. We just excused ourselves. You know, we had to go to the bathroom, you know. I'd rather tell a story walking out of a movie like that than sit there and, and, and watch that play and have my whole spirit be corrupted. But we got out of there. We walked out. We didn't get our money back. It was a $500 job you know I mean we lost our money we just we just threw it all away but at the same time I restored something and reserved something in the hearts of my daughters that stuff like that still matters to their daddy it still matters to their mama hey it's time that we let our heart be touched by the hand of God we've got to purify ourselves first you know you know and I'm just going to name some okay I'm just going to name some you know People say, Pastor, you know, uh, I, I like comedy stuff. I enjoy it. It's funny. You know, it's good. I enjoy it. It's, it's, it's a little crude sometimes. It gets out of the hand sometimes. And there's some actors that, that I've always enjoyed. But the, the more that they make movies, the more horrible they are, the more sexual they are, the more perverted they are, the more outside the lines they are. Somewhere, a pastor's got to get up and say, Folks, we can't just do all of that anymore. We can't just go there anymore. And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to legalize you. I'm not saying that you're a better person. But something has got to get in your heart to not let evil come into your heart and separate you and desensitize you and harden your heart and darken your mind to what God wants to give you in your spirit. I, I, I don't know. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But, but there was a movie called Kate Fear several years ago where Robert De Niro started speaking in tongues as an evil man. And it made... It, it made, made you feel like there was a, a demon in that, in that movie because it was, it was so emotional. He was, he was about to kill a young girl and he was speaking in a, a language. He was speaking in some kind of foreign tongue like he was mocking and mimicking the tongue-talking people. There's a spirit in that. There's a spirit in a movie called Hannibal where it's about cannibalism, where a man has got to be wearing a mask in the silence of the lambs. You know what it is? It's the silence of the realms. We need some daddies to stand up and say, you know what? We're not going to do cannibalism in our house. We're not going to do demonic stuff in our house. We're going to be a child. Come on, let me preach to you right now. We're going to be a child of God. We're going to do the things of God. We're going to walk in righteousness. We're going to sow righteousness. Amen. 
Grandma Tatum used to say, just because everybody else runs off the cliff doesn't mean you have to also. You don't have to jump. Amen. Natural born killers. I watched 10 minutes of it. I rented that one. I don't think I ever took it back. I think I destroyed it. Just paid for it. Because I like Woody Harrelson. I liked him. And I thought, man, old Woody's a good guy. And he was, good Lord, have mercy. Folks, listen. You can get so desensitized. You can get so darkened. You can get so hardened to stuff that nothing ever happens to you. And it just, it takes you further and further and further and further. And what I'm trying to do is turn you back today and say it's time for us to understand that we've got to get our hearts right first. Come on. Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Come on. Get our hearts right first. Get our hearts right first. Is there any conversation that I have that are impure? Convict me. If I'm thinking things that are impure, convict me. If I'm allowing things in my home that are impure, convict me. If I've got relationships or friendships that take me down more than I can bring them up, show me. If I'm entertaining, if I'm entertained by things that are wrong to God, show me. God, help me get my heart right first. Would you say it, God? Help me. And say, as a father or mother, whatever you are, as a, as a father, come on, to get my heart right first. Bless this home. Amen. And the second thing I want to tell you goes right along with the, with the first one. The second thing is you've got to learn to parent to the heart and not to the actions. Everybody say parent to the heart. If it's a heart matter, then you've got to parent to the heart. You really do. When Samuel came to anoint David at Jesse's house, he didn't know he was going to anoint David. He lined all those other brothers up, and he went down the road, and he said, God said, That's none, of these, none of these are counting. That, that beautiful Eliab, he was a handsome boy. He said, it's not them. It's not about them. He said, there's another boy here. Go ask for him. And so he said, you have somebody else? He said, yeah, I got David. And when he came, God said, that's him. Anoint him. God said, Samuel, I don't look on the outward appearance. God. That's legalism. He said, I look on the heart. That's purity. You with me? I look on the heart. I want the heart of a man. And here's a man that is a man after my heart. I want somebody that's pursuing me. I want somebody that wants me. And I want you to anoint him. In fact... Jesus was a fanatic about the heart. In the Old Testament, Scripture taught, don't murder. But what did Jesus do? He talked about the heart. He said, don't even hate. For if you've hated, you've committed murder in your heart. In the Old Testament, he said, don't commit adultery. The Bible said, Jesus talked to the heart. He said, if you look lustfully at a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He hammered to the Pharisees who had the outward behavior all right. But inside, they were full of dead men's bones. He said, you're full of it. The outside looked good. The problem was the outside of the dish is clean, but the inside of the heart is filthy. And think about this. Where do you eat from? You don't eat from the outside. You eat from the inside. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God does not care about the outside near as much as we do. God looks at the hidden man of the heart, and he wants that heart to be plugged into him, and he wants your kids to be plugged into the heart of God also. Oh, hallelujah. Don't settle for outward submission when there's still inner rebellion. Children's wills, write this down, must be broken while not crushing their spirits. Like a little boy in the doctor's office, he got tired of waiting on the doctor, so he started running around. His mama grabbed him and with sternness said, sit down. He did for a minute, then he's off and running again. Sit down, she said, and he did the second time. He was up again. Third time, she scolded him, set him down. He sat down but looked up and said to her, I may be sitting on the outside. 
but I'm standing up on the inside. If you have a couple of kids, I can guarantee you've done that. One kid does something to another kid, and you go to that kid and say, go apologize right now. And the child says, fine, I will. Stomp, 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 stomp. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you stupid big baby. You know how it is. Okay, they did what you asked for. But is their, is their heart right? No, 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 no. See, we don't stop loving them t- toward a right heart. Not just actions, but heart. Well, you can't go to the party tonight. You heard it on the, on, the, on, the, on the intake. You can't go to the party tonight. Fine. Bam. I hate you, mama. You can't have that. In fact, let me just share something with you if I can. Can I share something? Here's what we did in our house. And, and, and you can take it or leave it. Some of your kids are too big to do this too now. But when our daughters were little, when we had those situations in our home, and when we saw those kids, when, you know, I had a little boy this morning about this big come into church. And he was standing there, and he got hidden among the adults. And his mama finally said, he had his hand up just like this right here. And his mama said, Pastor, he will not walk past you till you high-five him. And I thought, my God, that, that child, is, he's formidable. He's, he's, he's in a formidable mindset. He, he can be changed right now. And I remember when our girls would get to fussing. And it was very rare that that, but it happened. Those, you know, they, they're, they're sisters. They get to fussing every now and then. And they'd think Misty was picking on them. The little ones did. Or, or, or Misty would think that the little ones wasn't doing right. And so we had some problems sometimes. But what my wife used to do, and I loved it. And I want to I tell you moms and dads about it. If you've got little grandkids, we're starting all over now with grandkids. But if you've got little grandkids, you've got little kids, you know what? the best thing to do when you get through talking to them when 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 they when they're not doing the right thing the most beautiful thing my wife used to do is pull them up into her arms and start praying to God and start crying over that child and there's something about a child when that child feels the presence of God in that mama's arms when he feels the presence of God in that daddy's arms their heart's going to be broken and before you know it it's going to be a matter of the heart in their life also you can't just force kids to do things it's not outer actions it's inner heart that matters pray for your children somebody preach with me right now pray daddy We need daddies to pray for our kids. We need mothers to pray for their children. We need people to pray. You need people to pray. You need people to pray. Because here's what it's about. It's the why behind the what. Here's the why. When you continue to talk and pray and work and parent toward the heart. Because the heart really is really what matters. Right actions come out of right hearts. And so when a kid turns 18, many times they leave home, they go crazy because they've been conforming outwardly, but their hearts have not been turned inwardly toward God. So we parent to the heart. We work toward the purity of the heart. Now, if I hadn't offended you already and made you uncomfortable or raised the standard yet, the third point is for you, okay? I'm fixing to get tough. First thing we talked about was getting our own heart right. So I'm going to get my own heart right, Pastor. Second thing is we're going to parent to the heart. Say, I'm going to parent to the heart, Pastor. Amen. And number three, which is most important in our homes, we want to be a Christ-centered home, is we've got to pursue perfect purity of the heart. Say perfect purity of the heart. If that's for me, I'm busy. I'll take it after a while. We're going to pursue perfect purity of the heart. Amen. Perfect purity. Everybody say perfect purity. The reason I I chose the word pursue is because we can't achieve it on our own. But with the help of the power of God, we're going to pursue perfect purity. Why perfect purity? 
Isn't that raising the standard a little high, Pastor? Because anything less than perfect purity is not purity. Does that mean we've got to be perfect? No, we've got to get our hearts aligned with God in perfection, though. He's got to be above all, through all, and in us all. Say amen. amen. Ephesians 5 and 3 said, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Wow. There must not even be a hint of sexual Not even an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny spider of immorality. Here's a pop quiz. Let me ask you a few questions. Don't raise your hand. Would committing fornication slash adultery with four people be a hint of sexual immorality, yes or no? The answer is yes. Would sleeping with 75% of the people that you date before you're married, would that be a hint of sexual immorality? The answer is yes. Would just looking lustfully at images on a screen breaking your wife's heart, would that be considered a hint of sexual immorality? The answer is yes. Or if some hot girl walks by in a gym and you start worshiping God for what you just saw, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would that be considered immorality? Oh, pastor, it don't hurt to look. <laughs> Ask David that. And I want you to know two things. Thank you for letting me preach to you today. I'm about to weep. I'm just so broken because I'm moved by what I'm preaching today. People who pursue purity, really pursue it, number one, don't care what you think. And number two, they're not just worried about remaining pure and virtuous only. They have much bigger goals in life than just for today's satisfaction. It's called purity of the heart with Almighty God. You with me? You can be a technical virgin, you know that, men and women. Like one person came to me and said, well, we did everything else. We championed naked gymnastics, but we didn't go all the way. You can be a technical virgin, but the goal of people that are pursuing purity is not to be a technical virgin. Their goal is purity of the heart. They don't want to give their heart away to eight different guys or eight different girls before they're married, much less their body. They've got a higher goal. When I was a high school senior, I was made fun of in the 60s for being virtuous. Guys found out because they kept asking me questions and I didn't know the answers to them. And they found out that I was a virgin. And they mocked me. And they sung songs about me. They made up quartet songs. They made up songs about me being a virtuous guy. I wouldn't want to sing them today because they would embarrass you too bad. But one day, one day a man that was a second year in college and I was a senior in high school started singing a song to me and it just flipped my wig. It just messed me up. And I pinned him against some stocking stuff in the back of a grocery store and I told him that whipping him was one of my non-virtues. I was going to wear him out. And if I couldn't whip him, if he whipped me, but I think I could do it because my adrenaline was running over right then, that my brother would take him out. And if we couldn't, he couldn't do it, both of us would. Would wear him out. You know what? He quit singing a song about me. Because he realized that being meek and being a virgin does not mean you're weak. Come on, stand up for purity for Jesus Christ today. It's all right. Stand up for it today. It's all right. Come on, clap your hands. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Come on, clap your hands for the Lord. It's all right. It's all right.
Please be seated. I'm almost finished. Seeking purity of the heart is very different in society today, though. It's a much higher goal than it was back then because a lot of people were calling themselves pure and clean back then. A lot of folks were. But now it seems like everywhere you look, it's if you don't give in, you're the loser. If you don't have some kind of sexual immorality in your life, you're the loser. If you're not drinking some of the hottest stuff, you're a loser. If you're not snorting some of the best drugs, you're a loser. Let me tell you something. Hell is a liar. You're still a winner in the sight of God. Purity of the heart still matters to God Almighty. Come on, let's get excited about that today. Purity of the heart still matters to God Almighty. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let me tell you what I'm going to conclude with today, and I'm finishing. Let me tell you what I'm concluding with. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I see God in your kids. I love your kids. I really do. I love your kids. I love kids. I love people. I got a problem. I love people. I really do. I love people. I love big people like Todd Patterson. I love little people. I love all kinds of people. I just love people. People are my passion. People are what matters in my life. And I care about you. And I care about you not just being here, but I care about you changing as God changes you by the word of the Lord. And I want to be that, I want to be that instrument of, of, of choice that God uses to change this congregation and to bless this people, not only with faith words, but also with help words and with pure words that helps you with your life. I'm going to tell you something. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. I pastor. I've pastored three churches. I've pastored this church almost. I'm on my 25th year now, and I'm, I'm so happy. I pastored one for seven years, one for three years, the one I pastored for seven years. If tragedy hadn't come, I'd have still been there today. I would have never left that first church. But here I am today, and I'm, I'm being blessed so mightily. But I, 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 I saw something in one of the churches that I pastored several years ago. There was a man that came to our church who was a predator. And he had to come tell me that was the rule. And I told him that I would never hurt him as long as he walked the line and did what was right. And I let him come to church. But one day I saw him talking to a, a very beautiful mother in our church. I saw him talking to her who had some beautiful daughters. And he wasn't an adult predator. He was a child predator. And so I, I, I said, I, I got to fix that. Because every service I saw this man come up to this woman and he was talking to her. And there was a lot of other people to talk to and he wouldn't talk to anybody else. But your pastor did something. I didn't, I didn't announce it publicly. I didn't say it, I didn't say it grandly. I didn't, I didn't blow, blow his cover. But I went to the mother and I said, let me tell you something. You're a very pretty lady. You're young enough to be my daughter. But let me share something with you. That man is not interested in you. He's interested in your children. And when I said that, it scared her to death. And she started avoiding his approaches. And all of a sudden, he caught the message that somebody was on to him. And he left this church because he didn't have a pure heart. Here's what I want to tell you. You need a pastor in your life. You need a man of God in your life that won't let predators just come in and take over your family. You need somebody in your life that won't let the evil one come and destroy your family. That won't let the cannibals of life destroy your family. That won't let the killing machines destroy your family. There's got to be somebody that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge and say this church is going to be a church of purity with almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We must be a God-filled church to have a blessed home. Amen. Amen. I need somebody to help me. I've, I've asked that for three times, and if, if somebody don't help me, I'll keep preaching till 2 o'clock. Listen, listen, I love your kids. I want your kids to excel. I want your kids to shine. I want them to be beacons. I want them to be kids that everybody looks at and says, wow. We got a boy in this church that's got a scholarship at a New York Institute. and It's Todd and Tracy's boy. And I love those, I love those boys. But they, this, this boy is going off to a world. He's going off to a world of of big-time college football, but he's got a heart that pants for God. And I want him to keep that heart panting for God more than I want to see him star in a football game. Because when he gets out of college, I want to see him come out of there. He's liable to be a minister. He's liable to be a missionary. He's liable to be somebody that takes the gospel to somebody else because it's more important to me as a pastor to see your kids blessed by the hand of God than to have anything in this world. You hear me? I see God in your kids. I see God in your kids. Oh! Ezekiel said it this way. He said, I'm not going to ask you to make your own heart better. God said, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you and I'll remove from you your heart of stone. Let me tell you something. Some of you people that have flopped and you failed and you're not even a technical virgin anymore. You know what technical is. You've just messed up and you've drugged your life over and you've drank yourself silly and you've sexed yourself crazy. Let me tell you something. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. You can start afresh today. You can get your heart pure. You can, you, can, you, can, you can teach your kids from your heart. You can, you can train their hearts to be pure. Because you, if you pursue purity, you're going to see God. You're going to see God. You're going to see God. I told this story in the first service, and I'm going to close with this illustration here today. When I was in high school, I, I was everybody's buddy. I was, I was voted most popular. I was voted Mr. Irresistible. I like that one better. I meant every chick, every man, every teacher saw me irresistible. I got I got an annual to prove it. And but I never dated. I never dated. Because I had been taught that you couldn't give your heart away to somebody that wasn't Christian. So I didn't. It wasn't that I was a bad looker. Had a hot 63 Chevrolet. Six cylinder, three on the column, three on the column. It wouldn't pull the hat off your head. I ran it in a drag race one time and got beat by half of a quarter of a mile. And I said, I'm not going to be a race driver. I'm going to be a, a plotter. But in college, I, I kind of fell for a girl. My first real situation.
But I, I could tell immediately when we started seeing each other. We got together because she was a, a ball fiend and I was a ball fiend. And she was a high school all-state ball player in basketball. And I was a wannabe. We got together and we'd go to Texas Tech ball games together. And she was always a, a good person. But she had an unregenerated heart. It's the first time that it ever, it ever hit me that I was dating an unregenerated girl. And I was wrestling with this thing called preach, you know. So, I finally prayed through to it and said yes. And then I had to go tell her, you know what, this is not going to work. She was a good girl, a good person. And when I told her that, she laughed at me. She said, you're not going to be a preacher. You're using that just to walk away from me. I've heard, I've heard that before. I've heard, heard lies like that before. And it broke my heart because she didn't believe that I really had this call of God in my life. I really had it. Then I said, there's nothing I can do. Nothing, nothing. I'm sorry. I went into the ministry. We never saw each other, never spoke, never wrote. We got married, pastor seven years in Dallas. Twelve years later, after dating her, I lost my wife. Boy, that tragedy. Buried them on Monday. And uh, my brother and his wife came to, to Dallas. He had a hand-delivered letter he gave to me, and it was a letter from that girl dated college and she was so brilliant she wrote one of the most beautiful letters wished I still had it I'd read it to you today but I don't know where I put it I've moved since then but she wrote and said I didn't believe you then I thought you was using words just to dump me and to dupe me but now I know now I really know you've given the ultimate sacrifice she said I wished I'd have seen you for what you really were and not how I read you. But I will pray for you because I've come to the Lord now in my life. Woo! And I want you to succeed in life. And the only reason I'm weeping today is because I wished I could have led her to the Lord. Really wasn't meant for me to marry that girl but I could have led her to Jesus but I didn't understand the principle then that I understand now but now I want to tell you it's the greatest decision I ever made in my life to seek purity and not seek her Amen. Amen. bless Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.